This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our TGT podcast, or rather our last episode of the TGT podcast for this season. Now, I should stress, because I have a few people DM me uh, and say, why are you not doing any podcasts throughout the summer? There will be podcasts throughout the summer, so don't worry. That is still going to happen. It just happens to be that this is the last one of this season. And in my mind, as soon as the Champions League final's done, season's finished. New season starts, so we are going to make sure that we have got all of that ready to go and you'll have podcasts. We're also going to be doing members podcasts throughout the summer as well because we wouldn't be having preview shows where the members can come on. So we're going to be doing those uh, in regards to podcasts and looking at transfers and stuff like that. Now, I say members because I want to kick off the show. We are joined by some guests and they're going to be along in, in just a second. But to kick off the show, I've got a, a kind of a surprise uh, for some of our members. Now, for those that don't know, we have quite a few members on the channel that support things here that enable us to pay for things like microphones, uh, green screens, cameras, John's massive wages that we pay him every single week when he comes on the pod. He's so expensive. Um, so they have to pay for that as well. Ollas, uh, obviously, when we go to Roosters together, paying for Ollas wraps every time we go. All of that stuff helps hugely. Um, so, yeah, we are so massively grateful to you guys for supporting us, not only through this season, but through loads of seasons. And we have four different kind of members here. We obviously have the, the TGT members that come in, love to use the emojis in the chat boxes. They'll show you our members. Let's get the uh, let's get the trust the process just for the irony going in the chat box. Um, and then, of course, we've got our plus members that subscribe for some additional content, which is going to be changing next season. And then we have our expert members, which is the highest or second highest tier of membership, which means you're getting to join our Discord server. And I think that all of our expert members in the Discord server will tell you that it is one of the best things that we've done on the channel, just creating a community in which all you guys can communicate with each other and talk to one another all the time, 24-7. And it is 24-7. They, they are nonstop. It is relentless. But after that is the TGT ambassadors. Now, there is a group of 25 of them. Basically, it's a level of membership, which is a little, a couple of quid more a month than usual. And you don't get anything extra for it. 
absolutely nothing. It was purely put there for anyone that ever wanted to just donate a little bit more a month because they want to help support the channel. And it, these guys and obviously the rest of everyone else have, have really helped in, in making the channel what it is. But I wanted to take a second to really thank the TGT ambassadors because they, as I say, they don't get anything extra for giving that little bit extra bit of help to the channel. And so I wanted to do something to give those guys and all of the members as well, of course, as just a bit of a, bit of a surprise. So I did promise a surprise for the video and I have got one for you. So I'm going to let Drew talk you through it. Um, but yeah, this is, I'm hoping this is going to work. It's taken me a hell of a lot to put this together, but I'm hoping this is going to work. So just sit back, relax. Uh, and enjoy the next four minutes or so. Hey guys, this is Drew. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for um, your continued support as TGG members to Tom and everybody else. <laughs> we really appreciate everything you've been doing. Uh, again, the continued support is fantastic. The way you socialize with us, it's phenomenal. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We really appreciate it. As a sign of that appreciation, we've got something coming up for you that I think you'll enjoy. So thanks again. Wayne here. Episode one original OG. Big shout out to Mr. Muhammad Al Madid. Keep the support going. We love it, mate. Fair play, Muhammad. Come on, the Gooners. Hello, guys. John here. I wanted to give a big thank you to Josh or Josiah and Mike Voso. You guys are absolute legends. Alan Kavangu, thank you. You are a legend, and we appreciate you tuning in and listening every week. Salute, it's Ola. Just here to say, Steve Stone, you're an absolute legend. Big up. Hi, Lee Judges here. Just want to say, Easy Isle Ed and Cayman Guna, absolute legends. Hi, everybody. Lee Judges here. Classy football, absolute legend. You know what I mean? Like, you know, honestly, you give that guy one job and that's what he does. He is an unbelievable character, but he's certainly one that we value along with all the rest of our regulars too. They have supported me like nothing else on the show, constantly giving their time for absolutely nothing on the podcast, giving their views, their thoughts. Uh, and I know that you all enjoy a lot of their takes. You might not agree with all their opinions, but they certainly are a fantastic group and a supportive bunch. And we've gained even more as the years have gone on. We've obviously got the likes of French and Raf and Tomo and some of our expert members have joined us regularly for lots of podcasts as well. But there are plenty more of our TGT ambassadors that we've got to say thank you to. And with the help of some very fantastic people, we're going to do that. And... It's very apt, I think, this next section of this video because this has allowed me to go into a field that I never thought was going to become a reality. The channel has enabled me to go into the world of journalism and get a full-time football writing job, which gives me some amazing privileges that I do not take for granted. And some of the people that I've met through that are going to help me with saying some more thank yous. Hey guys, it's Ralph Prizo of Toronto FC. Just dropping in to say, Abdullah and Alex McCarthy, you're absolute legends. Hi, it's Benfica forward, Gonzalo Ramos. i just like to say, Callum Christian and Joe Kerr are absolute legends. Hey guys, it's Theo Corbinu, forward from Wolves. I just want to say, Matt G and Jimmy Gibble, you're absolute legends. A massive thank you to Theo to Ralph and to Gonchalo as well for the help with giving those thank yous. It's an absolute 
privilege to be able to speak to footballers on a, a just nearly a, a semi-regular basis now and it is not lost on me the the privilege that that is and it's a massive thank you to you guys that enable me to to do that and not only that but the ch channel was broadened to the point where we are entering different fields be it journalism be it other youtube channels other podcasts and even into the music industry as well as you'll see with our next group of thank yous what's going on people my name is you rizzy and i'm just here to tell you that chris p and the real yanis are absolute legends much love to you both jared carver is a legend Hey guys, Friction here. Just to say, JD Davidson, you're an absolute legend, mate. Hey guys, it's Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast. I'd just like to say that Binny Eagle and Rohit Chandler, you're absolute legends. Hi, Alan Smith here. This is a message for Owen Young and Gary Hardy. You're both absolute legends. Samir Madani is a legend. Oh, it's been um, Tom Canton is mad. Sometimes asked me to go on Pinotor TV. And he's also let me know about Dave Lennon and Victor Edwards. He's a legend for supporting what he does. Where am I going, you are? Gdansk, the European final. But you wish I had not so there you go uh, that was graham hunter at the end by the way on a plane on the way to the europa league final if you couldn't quite hear what he was saying and he did say a massive thank you to dave lennon and victor edwards um as with all of the ever guests um i'm going to clip that and i'm going to put it up onto to twitter as well so you guys can, can re-watch that or you can clip it and take it as much as you like if you have enjoyed it but there are 25 tgt ambassadors thanked personally by members of the crew by some current footballers some ex-footballers and some members of the journalism press as well that have been on the show too um really hope you enjoyed that if you have joined us late tgt ambassadors scroll back but i'm now very very happy and pleased to introduce my guests for today's podcast. First of all, it's glad to have him back. It's John. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? Are you good? I'm I'm good. I'll tell you, man, that the video and watching all the support and and like how big, you know, and how, how much you've done with this channel, it, it definitely it, I was I was coming into this podcast kind of a little bit depressed, I'm not gonna lie, with the just the state of Arsenal and where we're at, and I'm sure we're gonna get into that, but um it, it's so good to see this platform and, and what you've been doing with it. So that definitely was been the high one of the highlights of my season seeing that that was pretty cool man well no thank you for for contributing and of course throughout the season it's tough being an arsenal fan mate it really is and mm. uh genuinely like the fact that you and and also of course our next guest ola who has been with us throughout the season as well uh a massive thank you to you two and all the other guys ola are you doing well are you good mate how are you yeah man i'm good man thank you very much for having me um yeah still was for where from from all the beer drinking from yesterday, uh, going going to going to um, the protest as well. Still got my. Uh... There you go. We'll, we'll get your thoughts on that soon. I, I yeah. can't wait to pick your still, brain on that one. So. We've we still got all of that there. So yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. And finally, making his debut on the TGT podcast and on the Guna Talk in general, it's my colleague uh, from 101 Great Goals. He's a fantastic Arsenal fan and a great lad as well. It's Ben Browning. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? Are you good? 
Yeah, man, it's class to be on. Um, I've been watching for a while now, so it's, it's always good to join the people that you you know you enjoy watching on a week a weekly basis. I'm sort of I'm glad that I haven't been doing this all season because I don't know how you guys have managed it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised yes. you're still alive by the end of this, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, we will, mate. We will. Absolute place to have you on, son. And uh, I'm sure you'll get into the swing of things and you'll feel like one of the crew very, very soon. Um, and of course, chat box, I see you messaging throughout that. Um, and I really appreciate all of the support you've given, of course, and that you're tuning in. There are a lot of hell, hell of a lot of Arsenal podcasts out there, and I'm sure you listen to plenty of them as well. But the fact you're choosing to join us live this evening is great. And if you are watching on playback, I hope you enjoy the show as well. Make sure you drop a like and subscribe because we're on our way to 23,000 subs. It's a crazy journey, but we're moving forwards. Um, it's been, I say it's been a crazy journey. It's been a very much of a more somber season for Arsenal this year. Uh, John, I'm going to come to you first because I know that you said that you've struggled, um, yeah. especially yeah, yeah. in the latter half of this season. I mean, and you're not alone, mate. That is, that is for darn sure. There can be plenty of fans out there that feel exactly the same way as you. I actually want to pick your brains about that kind of section and obviously speak as comfortably as you like about it yeah. but why did you choose to kind of detach yourself towards the end of the season is it just for pure frustration anger what emotions have, have caused that do you think so I, I think it's a mixture of a lot of different things I you know I, I was like a lot of people where you know we saw this this project with Arteta and there was some skepticism and I think rational skepticism but there was this kind of almost romanticism about what could happen there and what it could mean especially how how down we were previously and then he goes and wins the FA Cup and then it's this kind of you know this I don't want to say you know too much excitement or too much hoping that something good will, will turn of it but you, everyone was sitting there kind of going you know I hope this works out we really want Arteta to succeed and it was so difficult throughout the entire season to get a foothold on what exactly was happening because it was there was no consistency whatsoever and that lack of consistency kind of culminated with this whole European Super League thing. I think at that point for me, it was really like, what is going on here? What are we like? What is this game even about anymore? What you know? What does it mean to be an Arsenal supporter? And I think a lot of people, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if it weren't if it was just me that was really evaluating what that meant anymore. Um, I think we knew what being an Arsenal uh, fan meant for a long time. All these values that Wenger would talk about and everything. We can make fun of Wenger you know, till the cows come home. But the reality is, is that we all were on the same page for, you know, on the same page for at least what it meant to be an Arsenal fan, whether you agreed as to the direction of the club. I think that was, that was not something that was, um, that was in question. But for me, at least, you know, we start seeing kind of for, it was just difficult. It was difficult. What does this club support? Do I, do I support the same thing? And ultimately, at the end of the day, yes, I, I I come to the conclusion that regardless of what the management, what the owners are doing with this club, regardless of whether we're not performing the way we need to be on the pitch, you know, I've been supporting this club for over twenty years, so uh, I, it's it's at it's at a point now where it's just going to always be that way, and uh, hopefully it works out. And it was that kind of anxiety over what the future of the club was that really made me need to just step back and and kind of take a break for a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I still watch the games, but I can't recall, especially after we were out of Europe, games that I, I don't recall caring less about Arsenal, like what happens on the pitch, than I did those games. And I and it sucks to say that, but, you know, this is a game where we went away at Chelsea and I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. And, and yeah. yeah, so hopefully we can move it away from that, but because I'm I'm here, so... 
Of course, and it's great to have you here, mate. It genuinely is. Hola. Um, you were obviously at a protest yesterday, um, and we're gonna I'm gonna come into more detail about that a little bit later on. I know how strongly you felt about the Arsenal situation. Obviously, you've been on in the past, and we, we've had a few debates about the management and that. And that was a hell of a long time ago before a lot of the crap that's happened since, too. How, how do you feel now at the end of the season? What are the emotions that are going for you? Is it relief? Is there still residing anger? Is there apprehension about where we go from here? Or is there any amount of hope that next season could be better because this is maybe as bad as it gets? <laughs> I wish I could say uh, all of the above. Of, of what you just mentioned there. But when you look at, as an Arsenal fan, I very much feel your pain, John. Um, season after season, we're, bo- we're both in um, all in the same uh, WhatsApp group. So, you know, you, you go through the, you go through the motions, you go through the, you go through the pains together and all of that. But when you, when you look at it in the cold light of day, it's just not been good enough. And it does something to you as a fan. You know, you don't question being a fan of the club, but you question where the club is going and what are the ambitions? What are we, where are we trying to get to? What are we trying to achieve? Because now we, we, we ended up eighth last season with Europe because we won the FA Cup. Now we've done the same thing, but without, without any, no European, no European, um, no European games. And, it's, it's the first time we've gone through something like that for for so many years. What over two decades uh, we've been going through something like this. So it's it's just it's a shame where we're where we're at. It's a shame with the ownership. The ownership to me is they they just been a disgrace, man. Uh, and I have to say, a lot of the things that get pointed at other people in and around the club, it still all comes down to the ownership. And those are the guys that really, you know, should be um, should be taking, you know, should be taking account for for how our season is planned out. It's so frustrating. I got a fourteen-year-old that he worries about going to school on a weekly basis after a match that supports Arsenal. Like he, he just worries about going to school because he knows he's going to get bantered all day. And look, it's 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 a shame. Can we improve? Only God knows. Do I do I say it like in the tunnel? I don't. I don't. I, I can't say. Um, we will we'll get into all of that. But overall, as far as this season has been, it's been so frustrating. It's just grinding. It's draining. It, it just. Uh, I mean, sometimes. Um, yeah. It, it just it, it turns you to the bottle. This this football club. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I done a lot of drinking. I done a lot of drinking yesterday. There's some gin in here, son. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Cheers, yeah. my friend. <laughs> Cheers indeed. Cheers indeed, bro. Uh, we obviously I will pick your brains a little bit later on about the protest and that sort of stuff. But it, it is really hard. I mean, Ben, what a show to try and come on for your debut. You've got a hell of a job uh, to, to break down your thoughts and feelings about the season. I mean. We've been working together now for a, a few weeks, a couple of weeks now, I think it is. Um, and of course, it's it, writing about Arsenal during this period of time is is really difficult. I mean, doing the daily shows, of course, is really difficult when your emotions are, su- are such a low point. But how have you how have you tried to compartmentalise the season? Because as Arsenal fans, we expect so much, and yet we've seen so little. So how have you dealt with it? Oh, I, I, I don't know if I have. I mean. I, I agree with John to a large extent. I think that I felt a, a, the biggest disconnect I've had with this club in you know my 22 years being an Arsenal fan 
Um, it's one of those things where there's nothing about the club that rings about being Arsenal anymore. You know, from the ownership to the way we play football to, you know, the way we do business to the way we, you know, look after our fans to even the way we keep the stadium, you know. I don't know if you guys saw the um, the Emirates Stadium, the state of the, like, crest and stuff that was going around on social media. It, it's just a bit of a... It's a bit of a disaster from top to bottom. And I think that that's been a real... You know, it's been really difficult to say, right, football's done for the weekend. Now we try and move on. You know, we dissect the games. We, you know, we look to the next game. And most of the time you can say, oh, this went wrong here. And next game it might be different and we'll do something different. But this season it's been, well, that's gone wrong there. We've got a game in two days. We're going to fix it. Probably not. We'll see the same sort of thing. And we're probably going to get the same results, give or take, you know, the odd goal or the VAR decisions. It's a, it's a case of it's just been... It feels like a roller coaster ride that you wanted to get off about a third of the way through, but then you're so far, Dangerous. you're so far along, <laughs> and you're just like, you just have to ride the whole thing now. You know, you can't. I can't say I'm going to stop supporting the club during a season, but it's one of those things where I've definitely become much less invested over the course of the season. Yeah, I know you're not the only one. I think that that's the kind of been the theme of what I've said to all three of you guys so far is that well, you certainly aren't alone in, in how we've been feeling all season. Um, I mean, you said about the third of the way through. The start of the season was just... I've never witnessed so much awful football from a team. And this is coming from the guy that during that period was the most stubborn, arteterian, trust-the-process figure you could find. Um, and really try and just... Out of pure hope. And to be honest, the hope for me was always from the business that we did in the summer, that we finally got... The, the, the midfielder in that we desperately needed, that we finally got in a good centre-back that we needed. We addressed things in the summer window that we've not sorted in so long. And I, I was sparked with a sense of hope by that, that was then purely and utterly and completely let down. And I suppose the expectation that arose from the FA Cup victory as well kind of all multiplied those feelings. So that when we were winning one game in 10 matches during that period around November time, where we were only game we won was a way to... Old Trafford. And I remember after that game being so ecstatic the first time we won at Old Trafford since 2006 in the league. An insane record broken. And, and we've continued to break these, these silly records as well in this awful season, like beating Chelsea home and away. Uh, we've, I mean, we've beaten now two top six sides away from home in the same season, which we couldn't muster more than once since 2015, which is crazy. We've, got, we've beaten Spurs at home. We broke that record. We beat Brighton twice. We never beat Brighton. Like We've done some really strange things, and yet it's still been an awful, awful season. So, John, when it comes... I mean, and you look at the form table from Christmas, and we've, this mm -hmm. comes up a lot. The 23 games, the second in the form table. It's They did basically... The club did it, or rather the, the players did in what we look at in the league anyway, as much as they could to try and finish as highly as possible at the end. But ultimately, how we played at the start of the season really define the season for me. And a lot of people will put that down to not having a clear number 10. And some people, and I hate to bring this up, but it's, it needs to be spoken about, is that we had a natural number 10 and they omitted him from the squad, rightly or wrongly, but we didn't have that creative number 10, no matter what you think of the guy. But that does look like, whether they should have signed one or not, one of the biggest issues we faced during that first four months or so. Yeah, one thing that I, I think gets left out for some reason uh, all the time is what happened to Aubameyang in the beginning of the season. Mm. Um, and really throughout this entire season, don't get me wrong. But Yeah, because some people will say like he wouldn't, he wasn't getting any like service. But I mean, we've had Erdogan and Smith-Rowe in the second half and he still hasn't stepped up. It, I don't think that was it. 
I think that was an easy answer given the fact that we didn't have an out and out out number 10. But when we saw creative players and you're seeing more, uh, more production from players like, like Gabriel and, uh, and even Pepe now. So it's not a question of him not being able to touch the ball because he's been touching, he's been touching the ball. It's, it was a question of whatever's going on with him, uh, whether it's his age, whether it's his, you know, the pressure of being the the captain and all this, you know, Ian Wright saying you're a legend and all, whatever it was, uh, uh, what I don't know, I don't know, but like, it seemed like it seemed like after that it was you no know, he he scores he helps us win the FA Cup and then it's just like he's gone in the beginning half the season and um, as much as I think that there's a lot of problems with with coming up with an identity from a footballing perspective and Arteta's um, our game plan whatever that actually is I think <laughs> that the that he was probably relying on Aubameyang to not absolutely disappear for the entire first half of the season. And I think that was, I think that was a big part of it. And I think it gets overlooked a lot, um, you know, because we weren't scoring anything. So, but it's hard to put it down to one thing, right? There's, it's like an amalgam of different things that, that went wrong. It went, it was a, it was a switching around too much. Your players trying to figure out exactly what's your best starting 11, trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, playing William and then not playing with him and then like clearly dealing with the politics of the locker room and trying to change the, the, the mentality of the team. In, in the meantime, he's trying to juggle different tournaments. Like I don't, I don't envy like hit the task that was ahead of him, but that's, and and here's okay. So here's here's the issue: is is he the person that was probably the best for that task? And I think in hindsight, which is 2020, you can look and say the issues that we had, and 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 the the dip, the fighting on different fronts that we needed to to overcome in the beginning of that season, I think was it was too much for Arteta. I think it was too much for Arteta. And then it took. It took some time for him to kind of sort some things out, and it started to kind of trend in a good direction, and then it just fell apart again. And that's kind of the story of Arteta's tenure. He's going to have a summer, hope we'll see, and and we'll see what happens in terms of whether the ownership backs him, which I have no faith that they're going to do anything right and because they haven't yet. Um, so if they if they back him properly and he can, you know, he's already weeded out the bad seeds or whatever he was trying to do. And he's figured out what, you know, the mentality. Cause he, he said he knew what the problem was and he seemed to know what was going on. So if he's figured that out, then maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm not very, I'm not very optimistic as I was, if you asked me at the beginning of the season or even halfway through um, it was just, it's just, it's a scary time to be an Arsenal fan, but at the same time, it's not hundred percent doom and gloom. There is still the hope, but it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the, the the meme of he's already dead is coming to my mind as you say that, <laughs> I think, right now. Um, Ola, I want to pick your brains now about, obviously, because the culmination of this season, there was a, a massive kind of uh, a coming together based upon the events of the Super League's attempted inauguration, which, of course, really emphasised the hatred again towards the ownership, which brought forth more protests. But for Arsenal, this isn't... This isn't a, a starter after the Super League. This is something that has perpetuated for years and years and years at the club, the hatred towards the ownership, the disdain that we have, the annoyance, the lack of care, the animosity. Uh, the, the, honestly, because they're so silent, causes so much infighting within, the, within its own fan base. It's so funny. You know those films where they just like, you've got like two people that are like planning on uh, like invading like a camp 
to like to, to save a hostage or something. And eventually they don't have to do anything because the whole camp's just started to argue and infight until they all kill each other. <laughs> they could just walk in, take the hostage, go out. And it feels like that's the situation with Arsenal, where everyone's just eventually, they, they say nothing, they do nothing, and then it just implodes from the Arsenal fan base. But you were at the protest. And I've seen some videos of the process. Of course, we covered the first protest after the Super League, which was a massive thousands of people turned up. Now, I saw some videos where it looked like there was quite a lot of people up there yesterday. But I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying there was still, comparatively to the first protest, there wasn't anywhere close to that figure. And if, when, as you, that someone who's gone and gone there, and I wish I could have joined you, but as you've gone there, does it fill you with frustration that you that there isn't that same amount of people, that there's all of this kind of social social media voices and loud shouting on social media, posting of the Cronky out, posting of images and pictures saying, turn up on this date. And then to see the amount of people that did, how annoying is that for you? Well, there's a combination of things that probably led to uh, the amount of turnout in, 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 the, protest, uh, in the protest yesterday. The, the rain was so bad. It chucks it down like yeah. sounds like time. It sounds like time. Yeah, you know what I mean. It really was bad. Um, and 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 I think uh, look, the last one it was a nice day, nice sunny day. You know, I mean, people were out in the thousands. This one. Not so much, but still, the point Hold on, was. But Josh Cronky said, Ola, that we want our cold, rainy nights at Stoke, but we didn't prove that. Apparently, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, he, he said he said that as well. He did say you know, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the the, the 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 main thing is the mess. The message still got out. The message still was still there. There's still a lot of people, even on TV, holding holding them little um paper with saying crunk it out and indeed crunk it out because when you 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 was right when you said you know this whole super league thing is not uh the crunk's family's first rodeo with the fans you know we've been we've been at loggerheads with them since for donkeys and now it just you know it just reared his ugly head again when the super league situation came up and it gave us more ammunition to 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 go at them you know i remember one time when Stan got involved in some big game shooting, some big game hunting. And that was a really, really bad PR for him at the time. Um, but again, it's just one of those things that you keep thinking. And they know it. The family knows it. The Kronke family knows it. That They, they don't have a good relationship with, with us fans. They, they know yeah. that. And the, the reply, and I find that reply from, from them to Daniel Ek, absolutely arrogant. I mean, get some business people, Get go hire John. John is a proper corporate <laughs> lawyer. Don't hire him to script something. But to say, we don't need your money, it's like, hold on, we're talking £1.8 billion pounds there. To, to just reply to, to, to a sale of a club as we don't need your money, now, come on, you could do better than that. Get a lawyer to drop some big words. Tom mm -hmm. probably do a better job than that. You know what I mean? And, um, I, do, I just find that it's just one of those things that really even me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, well, you're a teacher, so you're qualified in them things. You can't be well, now. <laughs> you made me do it. So I don't mm. want to go in the, in the naughty corner now. But you know, this is the thing when you when you look at when you look at the um the way they've 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 been with us as owners, and you mm. you see. You see what Le the Leicester owner was doing the other week when they won the cup and how how 
how happy he is to just be around them. Things like that just eat you alive, man, thinking, I mean, when am I ever going to see an owner like that at my club? Even with Roman at Chelsea, you might say, all right, you know what? Maybe it's not the lobby-dobby type, but you know he gets things done. You know why? Because he cares about the club. He cares about the well-being of the club. He also cares about his money and wants to see some returns. And he's now done it to the point now where things are a little bit more stabilised, where they're not having to, you know, loan that player, buy player, loan them out, then sell them and, and make a little bit more money on them. They, they're probably one of the best at it. And I, I, I would say, Kronke, at this moment in time, John was saying earlier on, they're going to back, well, they, they have to back at it to have it. But what kind of backing are we going to see from these guys? And we don't even have the dang, we don't even have the carrot to dangle the European carrot. To, what, what are we going to sell to these players now? We just we just based in we based in London. Is that's potentially what we're going to use to sell to try and bring players, you know, to try and bring players into the club. So for me, I don't know how it's going to work. Edu's got a massive job on his hands, but it starts. It's, it really does start with with the ownership. If they show some ambition, which to me this season. I've not seen from them. And I, I keep saying it. More than just this season. Chelsea can't sack their manager and Tottenham cannot sack their manager. Both of those guys are above us. They've been above us the entire season and they both sack their manager. And we've still got ours. To me, it, it just shows me where is the ambition. You know, yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't explain it. I, I think he, the, he, the most stubborn of, of kind of person that obviously want to see Arteta stay, uh, like, and as I was at one point, I said after we got knocked out of the Europa League, I said at this point, and I did a whole video on it, I felt at that time he should go. Like any other club, any other club by that point would have got rid of him. That's not an agenda against Arteta or for Arteta. That's just plain fact for me. There isn't a club in that situation, in that context, that would have kept the manager beyond that point and maybe even earlier than that. Arguably, I would have let them go when the whole the, the the run that was going on, where we were nearly in relegation. Like you know, that other teams would have got rid of their manager, and some did, as you pointed out, Ola. So it's it was absolutely it was crazy. But the thing is, the situation is for us now is that I know that he's going to be here, and so obviously I know that he's going to be here. I'm not going to stand and campaign for him to go because I'm an Arsenal fan. I want to see him turn this around. I want to see him succeed. That's that's what I want, as we all do, obviously. And I would hope that everyone, even the people that were calling, as, as like you were, Ola, calling for Arteta to leave earlier in, or the, the latter end of 2020, that wanted him still to turn it around. That still wanted yeah, it, him it, 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 it didn't mean I didn't want him to win games or do well no, for no, Arsenal. No, Ultimately, I people, I, you know, I want yeah. the club to do well. I think that people sometimes misconstrue that. I think there are sometimes you can fall into that trap, and I think some people do, in that it becomes almost a pride thing about Arteta failing and needing it to fail so that all the tweets that you've put out actually are justified. But it, in a way, it, is, it makes complete sense when, when people talk about it like that. And so, I mean, in the chat already, I've said, um, you want Arteta out from Artifact? What a joke. <laughs> and this is the thing, like, for so long throughout this entire season, Obviously, I've been saying, like, trust the process. Just stay with this, stick with this. But in in my wildest dreams, I cannot make up some fantasy that other clubs wouldn't have got rid of the coach after the Villarreal defeat. Um, that, that's, that's, for me, something that I can't sit there and just blindly stick to turn around. Now, I hope that this summer we see him get backed and we see him push forward and we see that this defensive solidity that he's brought to the team 
gets added to with some creativity and some goals. Because the pressure is going to be on from day one of the season. If he loses the first few games, or if we start dropping points hand over fist with no European football, it is going to be very, very difficult to get fans on side. And there's going to be fans in grounds, fingers crossed too. So it's going to get worse and it become a very kind of vitriolic place to be. So that that is certainly something that we've got to be careful of. We are going to look towards the future, Ben, and, and look at kind of the transfer window, especially as um, kind of one of the main tools, which I'm sure that the chat box and the listeners are going to absolutely love talking about because we love transfers. Um, but before we do, there are a number of kind of players that we need to discuss uh, and talk about. Now, very interestingly, Joe Willock, of course, has come to the fore in a lot of senses this season with how he's performed. Um, I saw some funny tweets about how obviously we we loaned him out and look what he's gone and done. What a mistake! I don't buy into that at all. You know, he was never going to do what he's done at Newcastle or Arsenal. That's for damn sure. Right now, but he may be able to do that next season. Now he's had that springboard, and that's what's most important. So Ben, regarding Willock, what are your evaluations of him, and what are you doing with him next season? If a big big comes in, you're selling him, or are you staying strong with him and you're keeping him in the team? It's it's tricky, isn't it? Because it's one of those players that you know you sort of lose either way because if he goes on to be really, really good at a different club and you've taken, I don't know, 30 million for him, people are always going to use, you know, it's a surgeon Abri conundrum. But if he, if he stays, I don't see him getting into our midfield just based on simply the way we play. He's not a number six. He's not a number 10. He's, he's a, you know, old school number eight and Aaron Ramsey, you know, where we should, where Aaron Ramsey should have been playing his whole career. And it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, Against like the teams that we play, where we predominantly play against teams that defend more deeply and we don't invite attacks on as much as Newcastle do, there's no space for Willard to run into. I mean, look at his goals arriving late in the box. That's stuff we can do. That's stuff we, we need, rather. But it's not something that we get the, a lot of space to do because a lot of the time it's having to sort of, you know, go out wide, come back in. And it's it's boring. But at the end of the day, when you're playing low blocks, there's only so much you can do. Um, I'd... I'd I don't really see where Willock would fit in this side. And I don't really see, I don't think he's good enough to make the whole side change to fit him in either. Um, he's one of those players I think is very good, but I just, if a bid comes in for say 25, 30 million at this stage of what Arsenal need, uh, we should be saying, you know, yeah, go for it. So how, what's kind of the minimum that you'd be looking for really? It's difficult because his value keeps going up with every game. You know, he's he's young, he's English. He's scored seven and seven now for Newcastle. Um, you know, I've seen I've seen really rogue shouts to get him on the plane, which is just that's the state that you know the both Newcastle and Arsenal fans have got into about Willock. You know, for yeah. Arsenal fans because he's scored more goals than our entire midfield combined this season. I think. Um, so it's one of those things where it's difficult to put a price on goals. You know, it's always that thing where whoever hasn't, you, you have a knack of scoring goals, you know, whether you're in midfield, Frank Lampard had a great knack of scoring goals, obviously. Um, and it's difficult to put a price on that sort of instinct, I suppose. But mm. in terms of his all round game and what we saw when he was at Arsenal, you know, I'd say 25, 30 million and you're saying, you know, it's worth taking the risk and selling him to reinvest in, you know, where Arsenal need, uh, actual investment in the side, especially That's, if the Cronkies aren't going to invest. I think that you're, the, the, the figures you're saying there are very much towards the lower end of the scale of what I think a lot of people want uh, and, and look at for Joe Willock. I mean, I saw a report today that they that Newcastle wants 70 million from Alan, for San, Alan Samaximan. That That's how, what they would accept for him. I remember a report last year when uh, I think it was Matty Longstaff was linked with the move away and they wanted 50 million for him. So if you're st- sticking these types of figures on players and you're thinking you're going to get 
our boy Joe Willett that's just saved you from relegation for <laughs> 20 million quid. It's like, you must be having a laugh. Although saying that, we are Arsenal Football Club. So, so you know, we, we do we like to give a couple of discounts. Down 10 million for Gibbs and then accepted seven. Yes, we did. Correctly. Yes, yes, we did. So, so uh, well, you know. We're not brilliant at this whole transfer <laughs> business thing. Anything is possible. What I would say is for people that do want Joe Willett to, to stick around, uh, there is good news uh, in your favour because he did post on his Instagram page today uh, a goodbye message to the uh, Newcastle supporters where he said, family, thank you for rocking with me. I will never forget the love you have showed me. The team, the fans, the city will always hold a special place in my heart. Up the Maggies and goodbye uh, is what he said uh, with both Emil Smith-Rowe and writers. You can see they're replying to him. And I know like in a, in a very modern society, we love to, to read into these things <laughs> very much. So it's how we decide who is signing for Arsenal. It's how we decide what they're liking and following. Um, so there's lots of things that we can take from that. But the fact he has said goodbye is quite a statement in itself. So so maybe that's something that is going to tell us about his own intentions. Uh, John, we've had a super chat, a very generous super chat coming in the chat box uh, from yeah. Unique79. He's one of our longest uh, list, longest time listeners. He's been with us for a long, long time. I'm sure we remember his name. And he says, panel, we must not compare ourselves to Chelsea. And then by that, he's obviously talking about the season in which Chelsea fell out of, of European football and then went on to win the title, I think, that next season. Um, Chelsea still bought players for their league winning season. If we want change, empty the stadium and protest every single match. There's two kind of schools of thought to follow with this question. First of all, it's it's how we tackle the summer window and what we do. And do you think we have, based upon what you've heard, which we always have to take with a, a grain of salt or a massive boulder of salt in the case of the ownership. Um, and also the other route by saying that, do you think that any form of protesting is going to have any real impact on the way the club makes any decisions? Yeah, so I'll start with the second part of that first because I think it's yeah. the most important because the, the reality is is if you want change, I, I think protest is a great way of of, of voicing that. Um, the problem is, is it actually going to do anything? And, um, well, I think that if the protests are consistent and frequent enough and uh, I, I think that it's going to be hard to ignore that. And we're already starting to see, you know, direct conversation with with josh who showed up at the game uh, you know and mm. so I, the problem is is that at the end of the day as much as josh wants to say i speak for stan he doesn't at the end of the day it's always stan is the ultimate arbiter of whatever kind of ksc's um decisions are made right he's the ultimate arbiter there um so i'd like to think that if we're unhappy enough and we express that unhappiness, that something's going to happen, that it's going to change for the better. That is potentially an extremely naive way of looking at this, especially with American ownership. Um, and, you know, we can get into like the, the ethics of how these kind of uh, owners treat the club as a commodity or rather than, you know, as a sports enterprise that actually cares about progressing the sports side of that. But the reality is, I think that if if all the fans feel that they need to get their voices heard, they absolutely should do that and continue to do it, regardless of whether they think it's going to do anything or not. I don't think that's the point of a protest. You're hoping that it's going to make a change. You're 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 demanding that changes are made, but you're going out there to to do the only thing that you can do to have your voice heard. That's all you can do. Um, but protesting every single match. 
and that's the other side of this, right? You know, what's the point of being a, a fan of the club? How how can you? It's it's one thing to say, yeah, just don't go to the matches, but then what is the reality of that for someone who loves this club and just just can't watch them anymore? Just stops watching Arsenal. Even me, who is so disenfranchised, and I'm on the other side of the world. It's not like I have season tickets. Just not watching the games for me was difficult, and I I still watched them, even though I was kind of like I couldn't not at least have an on at some point while I was paying attention to it, even if I wasn't 100% paying attention to it. So um, I, I think it's easier said than done. I think if everyone just stops going to the matches, stops buying merchandise, starts protesting every time, I think that's going to do something. I don't think that's a feasible, I don't think that's feasible though. I, you know, and I commend everyone that, that spends all the money that they do going out there and, and, and making their voices heard. I'm a hundred percent for that. You're muted. No, let's see. It's finest is what that is. Um, I, I can't not get behind the idea of protesting right now. And I, to be honest, before, I was very much of the mind kind of um, prior to the Super League situation. I yeah. really didn't think it mattered. Like I, I didn't know what fan voices could really have achieve. The Super League utterly proved me wrong in that situation and how everyone banded together and the unity that not just Arsenal fans, but of course fans from hundreds of clubs, uh, not hundreds, well, maybe even hundreds across across Europe, who knows, but lots of clubs that banded together. And that showed the power of the voices of so many fans and, and the change that it brought about. Um, of course, that was an absolutely massive amount of people. And I think the issue with Arsenal protests has always been kind of... Uh, uh, a semi-commitment, I suppose, from a fan base. Like you have people like Ola, of course, joined in with the protest the other day, and we'll keep on doing that. There is also the logistical side of things, which means that not a lot of the people that would love to be there can be there. Uh, we can go down the tie excuse of the rain. Thank you, Ola, for that one. Um, so, <laughs> so there's lots of things that that do stop people, but. I, I am guilty of it in part. And I, I, for those of you that tuned in and watched you as his watch along uh, yesterday, I got battered, absolutely battered. And people are entitled to the view because I, I have got this season, I've got this season shirt and I've worn it on a show. And there are a lot of people that have turned around and said, you want Cronky out, but you've bought the shirt. You're a hypocrite. And you're entitled to that view. And I think that you're the, the reasoning behind what you're saying, there is sense to it. Mm -hmm. I've explained why I've bought the shirt. I said it's my way of connecting to the club every season. It's been a tradition. I don't associate the Cronkies with the club. I associate the badge with the club. And so that's what I wear on my chest and do as a, as a supporter. Go on, John. I know you. And this, and this is, and you, you, well, yeah. And I think that that's an important distinction to make. And I kind of was alluding to it when I was saying that it's, it's one thing to, to say, yeah, I'm just not going to go to the games anymore. I'm not going to buy the shirt and support the team that I love. And I've loved my entire life. It's, it's one thing to say that, but what, the reality of, of, of not, you know, getting excited about an Arsenal shirt or getting excited about a, an Arsenal match. What's the, like, how can you, it's hard to separate an identity that you've had as an Arsenal fan and as a, a sports fan and what that means. For, and to just sever that is very, very difficult from an existential perspective. Yeah. Um, I think it's very difficult to just say, you know what, I'm just not going to buy it. I can't, you know, it's, 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 it stinks. It stinks that, that we've been that inundated in the commercial side of things. And, and not only that, but in, in like having to watch every single game, but that's part of being a sports fan. And they know that, and they know that it's like a drug for people and you can just taking that away cold Turkey. It's easier said than done. 
It is really hard. I mean, Ola, as somebody who went to and be honest, do not hold back because it's me. But like, <laughs> would would that annoy you? Does it annoy you that I, that obviously I, I want the ownership out, but I but I still bought a shirt. I, I'm in, I'm intrigued about the mental side of it. No, I, I think look, it's it's how it's how you like you said connect to the club. It's it's your way because you're not local. You know, even though you're in England, you still got quite a way to go to come to games. I have to, I have that experience with you all the time. Whenever we we meet up at games and meet up at train station and stuff, so it's not like we don't you, go for the you, game, Ola. You you know what we turn up for. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we go for the roosters. You, you, okay. Yeah, there's that, there's, there's that, there's that, that, that's definitely part of the deal. But you you know what I'm saying? Like when when people buy shirts and and buy merchandise, um. It's not necessarily supporting Kronk. I even had this conversation with people um, yesterday over there at the, um, at the at the club yesterday, and they said, "Look, at the end of the day, it's the the the, the business, um, the commercial side of it. Those are the guys that are getting the money. The money ain't even really going to to Kronk. And I said, "Well, ain't they been paid up front? A, a, a bit like the TV deal, sort of thing. And um, it, it, at the end of the day, it's still your choice." whether you want to buy it or not. I, I have other ways, like, again, going to protest or even doing something as little as hashtags. Just hashtagging them on social media will still bring some kind of attention. So even if we do something as little as that, you know, I, I think it will still generate the impact. But, look, I've never been one of these people that puts on people how to enjoy their match day experience or... How to how to support the club? You know, support the club how you see fit. Just do it with class and respect. That's my that's my take on it. I was when I was sitting there on Hugh's show yesterday, and it was like to get, for those that didn't tune in, and obviously it was a really good debate with me and Hugh. And actually, Hugh has clipped it and he's uploaded it just those fifteen minutes that we have a chat, so you can watch it in all its glory um, on the channel. But when it was I'll like be checking that out. When it was live, the chat box was like filled with just Tom out. <laughs> That's all it was. Just Tom <laughs> out, Tom out, Tom out. Everyone. And like whilst at the time I was like, That's fine. Look, you're entitled to your opinions. At the same time, it is I'll be very honest about it, because I'm not gonna sit here and try and act all hard like it's not it doesn't affect me. Like seeing hundreds of people calling for your name on a head on, on a stick, which I know is, is probably an exaggeration, but that unity against me for my opinion, which is completely fair enough, everyone's entitled to their view and they're entitled to say that. I wish there was that same unity for some of the things that me and John talk about, like abuse on social media. And if people were that vehemently against like abuse on social media and stuff like that, and they could come together and, and really fight and, and isolate incidents and, and bring them forwards and highlight them, as much as people were highlighting the fact that I bought a shirt of the club that I support, like if, if only we had that same unity. Um, but we don't. But at the same time, they are entitled to their view and their opinion on it. That's fair enough. Ben, we'll bring you into at, this. At least, then... start, oh, start, on, I was on. just going to say, at, at least now you know how the Cronkers feel. You know, everybody. Well, nice. I, don't, I don't know if I know how they feel. <laughs> I, you know, once I'm sitting on a when, when I'm sitting on a, a ninety million dollar yacht, then I'll know how they feel. Yeah, when I'm sitting here in my in a, in a room in my house, I've just got Tom out, Tom out, just going out all the time. Oh, we're starting to see it now in our chat, at least once. Yeah, oh, Sid, it's only Sid. Sid's all right. He's, I mean, Sid's entitled to his view. We, we brought his comment up earlier, and, and that's the thing about here is that 
I, the only reason people get blocked on this channel is not for having a different view to me. It's about anyone who's abusive in the chat gets blocked. If you come here with a different opinion to me and you say it respectfully, you're welcome. And that's fine. We all have a chat and it's great to have different opinions. I hate echo chambers. It's why we had the likes of Dan Potts coming on or Sophie from the hybrid school coming on with different views or Ollie yourself who's got a very different view to me at times. So it's it's healthy to have different views. It's just about how we put them across is, is the way that's the most important way to do it. Um, I said Dublin Guna, my shirt's in the post top. Solidarity. <laughs> Thanks, fella. Much appreciate the support, son. Um, anyway, Ben, I'm going to get your final thoughts on, on the kind of the ownership side of things. And then we are going to go to questions in the chat box. So if you do have a question you'd like to ask the guys, we're going to go for about 20, 25, 30 minutes or so. Um, so make sure you've got your time to get those questions in. Use the capital Q uh, if you want to get your question answered and, uh, and we'll go through as many of them as feasibly possible. Um, ben, do you have any trust whatsoever after hearing the big plans to invest, as we're told, as Arteta saying that they've planned the summer out and that we are looking to do things that they want to be, in quote marks, ruthless in the window? But then you hear things from Arteta saying that everyone who has a contract is very likely to be here next season. So Willian's going to be here. Kalasinac is going to be here. Granit Xhaka is going to be here. All of these guys. Is there any hope that you have that this this summer may be different to what we've come to expect? I mean, this is the same ownership that told us to be excited three years ago, and then we splashed seventy-two million pounds on Pepe. I think mm. there's. I think one of the, one of the common misconceptions I have is there's a lot of fans that sort of say spend money and it's it's not that we don't spend money we do spend money it's just that i don't think we have the right people in place i don't think they employ the right people at the club to make sure that that money is spent effectively you look at you know it's easy to go to leicester but there's the leipzig model as well where you're saying they've got people in the club who identify talent properly and get the talent at a decent price whereas we sort of you we, we all know how an arsenal transfer window goes there'll be rumors for everyone plus yan and veer and higuain um, you know, we'll be haggling over two million for three months and we'll say at the end, oh, we got so close. That's you know, that's that's the way Arsenal transfer windows have been for years. And it's just resulted in us getting, you know, further and further behind. And as teams come up with new, more inventive ways to invest their money, uh, you know, and become challenges to this sort of top four, mm. become top six, become I don't even know what it is now. Probably can't call it that anymore. Um it's just a case of we haven't changed at all. We're still going for the same sort of model. And I think that it's really difficult to have any faith in the hierarchy to do anything sensible this window. So you, do you is there any way that you kind of, I mean, okay, let's, let's go down a different route. If I was to ask you right now, how are you feeling? If you would put a prediction and estimate on how much money we'll spend and how much of that you think may come from investment, what would be a figure, a ballpark, if you will? It's it's difficult because, you know, obviously you don't know how the Cronkies are going to react. If it was me and I was seeing this this effectively sinking ship, it, my options would be put money in to get it back to where it should be or sell up. And if they're not going to sell up with Daniel Ek, I can see them investing, you know, a lot of money into the club this summer. Whether it will be spent well is another matter. But mm. I can see a lot of money coming into the club from the ownership whether it be in form of, you know, we've taken out another loan with low interest that we set against the club again or whatever. <laughs> a lot of indirect or direct own, uh, investment, I think, will be coming this summer. 
let's move on to the questions then in the chat box. Uh, Vegas Gunner, thank you so much for the donation. He says, big up Tom and the panel. Uh, there is a rumour going around that Edu may get sacked because of a dodgy... Does anyone know anything about this? Because I... No, I've, he's I've asking, said, is there a rumour going around? Yeah, I, don't, I, haven't, I've heard, I haven't heard seen, that. Well, I've, a couple of people DM me today asking about this, and I said I've heard nothing because people said he wasn't at the game yesterday, and they've put like two and two together and got twenty-seven. And I, I don't, I think to be honest, he wasn't there today because he must have been, must have had something going on, either a personal thing going on or he's busy sorting out transfers. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it was strange that he wasn't there, but. Yeah, it's, I think it may be just one of those things where a rumour starts. I don't know about... I don't want to speculate about something I don't know. I don't know what's gone, in, gone on in Brazil or anything like that, if there is any links to that. But yeah, that's I don't know is, is the honest answer for that one. Um, let's go around. John, um, mm. from... Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Baker Man, this is an interesting question. He says, I want some ice cream, but I'm trying to lose weight. So I just go for it and eat... Should I just go for it and eat? Tell him... Tell him, John. Should he have some ice cream? Well, so you're really—it's a balancing test, right? So you (laughs) you need to balance—you need to balance out how much you want to lose weight with how much you want some ice cream. And if you want ice cream more than you care about losing weight, or you can't eat something less, go for it, or don't go for it. Either way, do it. You you know what? Do you want, man? Go for the ice cream. (laughs) I feel like we need some serotonin and dopamine nowadays. So screw it. John basically summed up how my diet goes when I try them where he goes, yeah, you know, if, if you got to find the balance and then finish it off by going, you know what? Just go for it. Just have your ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask you a fairer question, John. Uh, Omar yeah. says, Yang, is he done or will he get back to his best next season? Also, is Arteta at fault for his awful campaign? Pretty sure most people know where I stand on this subject. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's a balancing test. And then she just said him at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for real, I'll start with the Arteta at fault. I uh, managers, it's always comes down to the manager. It always comes down to the manager. They are the general. They are the ones picking the team every week. They're the ones making sure the players are training the right way. They're the one coming up with the tactics. They're the one preparing them. And Arteta is one that's notoriously, apparently, uh, one that likes act to, to actually prepare very specific in-game scenarios. And the players have even said, look, we'll practice something and it happens in the game. So if we're practicing something and it's happening in the game and it's not working i mean whose fault is that that's ultimately on our test fault also the player's fault because we've had players that are on paper should be doing a lot better than they are and uh so it's not just one or the other it's a mixture of everyone and then you can argue well Arteta should make these players, you know, get the best out of these players if he's not doing that. Once again, it comes back to Arteta. So it's very difficult to escape this notion that the manager is really the crux and the center of whatever goes right or wrong in many cases in a club. And I don't think that that's an exception here. So if is he at fault for his awful campaign? I think it's a mixture of players underperforming. It's a mixture of his fault possibly not getting the right players that he's needed, even though that we've spent money as as was already elucidated, uh, alluded to earlier. So so there's that. Whether Aubameyang is done or he'll get back to his best, I mean, I hope he's going to get back to his best. But um, as a player gets older and older, it's much more difficult to get better and better. So if I were to just think about it logically, I would imagine that, that he's going to hopefully be better than he was because it's a low bar. Um, and if we can build the squad around help, helping him, maybe, I don't know if that's the plan going in. Absolutely. I think we can play or set up in a certain way with certain players that can make, that can exemplify his qualities 
or that can that boost his qualities on the pitch. So we'll see if that's the case or if they if Arteta's going to go a different direction with it. It's so up in the it's so difficult to predict what the hell is going to happen next season. It just I, I, more so than I can recall in the past. Even after Wenger left, I had a more of a sense of of where we were going to go than than now, which is weird. It is weird. It's, and that comes down to decisions that have been made from up high from the point where Wenger left. He left too late, I feel. I feel he moved on too late, which made the process more difficult to, to move on from him. We then made a bad decision in Emery, and we look like we've made a bad decision in, in Arteta as well. I mean, I think that Arteta is a coach that has real big potential, but to throw him into a situation where Arsenal were in a big, huge need of a, a, an experienced head, I suppose, of being able to, an experience specifically, not just in terms of how long you've been in the job, but specific experience of progressing a team from a really bad position. That That is what Arsenal need, and then it was a big risk, and it's not paid off so far. Um, Ola, Jared Carver. And by the way, Ola, you're getting a lot of love in the chat box, I noticed tonight, so big up to all the people that are giving that love to you. Uh, Jared Carver says, who do you want to see as our regular striker next season? Do you keep Aubameyang or Lacazette, or both in this case? Um, I've I've always said, uh, I mean, I did say at one point this season that I, I, I was prepared to cash in on uh, Aubameyang and and just go go in a new direction for 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 some young blood. But he's also said maybe he needs fans to to perform. This is this is what he said, and uh, at, at first that quote did did annoy me because I'm, I'm feeling like yeah, why are we getting blamed for? For the way you've performed this season, you know, mm. and it's not, it's not, it's not blaming us per se. He's saying he needs us, but at the same time, you're earning top dollar, all right. And if you still got a job to do, bottom line is you, you've got a job to do, and you're the captain of the football club as well. Like you need to go out there and get the job done. He, he hasn't done that consistently. This is actually, actually, he's been very, very poor. Um, I was prepared to cash to cash in on uh, Aubameyang. Laka, on the other hand, I, I'm I, I was happy to give him to give him another year, and that's just simply down to how he's he's played alongside the young kids with Smith Rowe, with Saka, and all those guys. I feel when those guys play alongside Lacazette, there's a bit more end product. There's a bit more. There's something more to what I'm to what to what I'm watching, and um, and that's why that's why I feel with with Laka. And Aubameyang, but when when we're looking at who else to bring in with them, for me, should we be getting rid of someone like Inketia? And if we want to improve the squad, go and get Oli Watkins. I think he's a better striker. He's just come from the championship, done a season, and now we know what he's capable of doing. I, I believe he's a better better striker than than Eddie Inketia. There's no reason why we shouldn't go and table 30, 40 million to 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 Villa and and test their resolve. On the, on a player like him, or maybe Edward, but I'd really like a player from the league if I was to choose, and he's probably the ideal guy for me, uh, Ollie Watkins. I see. Like for me, it's not just like Ollie Watkins, and you say that you want to get a guy from the league. It's for me that's the way our transfer window has to skew this summer. Is that if we want to change, we want to do something different. We need to sign players for me from within England, and that goes for the Premier League, and that goes in the Championship because it's just. We categorically haven't done that for players that are going to make a difference. We've done it in regards to kind of like depth, like Cedric and Welbeck and David Luiz and, and Petr Cech at the time. Uh, like we, we've we brought in players that are either to, looking towards the end of their careers or surplus to requirements of the club that they're currently at from Premier League sides. And we haven't actually ever really 
I'm trying to go back. I'm thinking, I think Matthew Debushi was the last player that we got that was actually playing at the top of his game in his current Premier League side. That's the last player I can genuinely think of because Welbeck was surplus at United. Cedric was surplus at Southampton. David Luiz was at the end of his time at Chelsea. So was Willian. So was Petr Cech. I'm, I can't think of anyone else after Matthew Debushi that fits that. I can see John's cogs are turning inside of his head. Trying no, to think you of I don't think we have. Chambers from Southampton was a young prospect. It wasn't necessarily like, for me, someone who was going to come into that position and, and take it yeah. by storm. He was Holding. very much a prospect. Holding was at Bolton, uh, like a 1.6 yeah. million, he and he was also a prospect, yeah. So it's crazy that when Chambers was signed, that was one of our record signings as well, at 60 million quid. So it's for me, it's something that Arsenal do need to look at the way they change and how they recruit and look within certainly something speaking of chambers um then uh, sharif says uh, with chambers and cedric as good options who get the best out of pepe and the fact that we're going to be selling bellerin which should bring in some good money do we then need to spend the money on a right back or should we spend it on other areas i think there are probably other areas that need targeting more than a right back um you know central midfield immediately springs to mind and creative midfield um it's, it's difficult, though, because I don't, for, for as good as Chambers has been, I don't really see him as a long-term solution. I don't know whether that's simply because I've watched him before his injury and then after. You know, mm. he's, he's a brilliant crosser of the ball, but I just don't think he quite has the the mobility to play there. Um, you know, especially if we're going to be playing. I, maybe it just goes back to when he got um, terrorised by Montero when he played Swansea at right back. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm just, I, I think every time I watch him, I'm sort of on edge thinking that could happen again. If we get, you know, if he goes up against someone like Pulisic, it's just one of those things that a, another right back would be more convincing, I think. But I don't think it's necessary if you looked at it objectively in terms of, I think, another central midfielder is much more important and a creative player. And if we get those done and we get those done early and we do it well, then we can say, you know, now we look at a right back. Yeah, it's I think it's an area that for me is is probably about third or fourth on my list, but it's certainly an area that I think is on my list for a reason this summer. It's an area that I think we do need to go in and buy a player in. I think we need someone, as you say, that yes, Chambers is a good crosser of the ball, but it's his pace up and down the pitch and down that flank, which I worry about. I think that Arteta is a manager that wants to get a lot from his wide areas. And so getting in a quality right back that can get up and down and defend is important. Be it a Max Aarons, be it a Rydal Baku, which I know is a player that a lot of people want to see. Um, Zeki Celic in uh, Lille from the Turkish national side is another player that I'm looking at as a possible option. I know, I know we're trying to basically buy up Lille's entire squad at the moment, um, but uh, but he's a very good player. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's a position for me that goes behind... I mean, I've moved away from central midfield as my priority to actually attacking midfield because we're just so desperately in need of adding creativity and goals to the side. And we've actually, well, I mean, we've got the third best defence in the league this season, but I think we're joint 10th for goals scored. So that's why my priority has moved to that attacking midfield position, be it Erdogan or Buendia, or I'd rather it was a Buendia for me, that's my choice. But yeah, it's it's changed. And then it's in the midfield, and then it's certainly a backup left-back. That is something that's really needed. A backup goalkeeper to, to Leno, and right-back is in there as well as, as one of those options. But whether we do all of that, is is the biggest question. And we are going to need investment, I think, to cover all of the positions that we need. 
Um, Ashwin Watkins uh, says, I'll take this very quickly. He says, Ashwin Watkins says, how many uh, goals have we scored from crosses this season? Barely any uh, is the answer. Uh, do you believe we should invest in a striker very similar to Giroud so we have a plan B option? <laughs> I, I mean, it's something that a lot of teams have done historically. Um, I mean, you look at United used to bring on Fellaini. Spurs used to bring on Llorente. Um, it's Chelsea obviously themselves bring on Giroud we brought on Giroud ourselves <laughs> previously as well and we haven't had that plan B option now I don't think it has to be a striker and what I mean by this is if you actually ironically I think we've already got a guy that can do this and we've talked about him already today and that's Joe Willock you look at the goals he scored for Newcastle the amount of headed finishes he's got in the box this season he's been mad of those seven goals he's a guy that loves to run into the box loves to arrive late He's most likely, if he stays, he's going to be coming off the bench a fair amount next season. I don't think he comes straight into the starting eleven. I think he is an option for us to be a bit of a target man in the box towards the end of games because he's shown that at Newcastle. So I don't think it has to be a striker. But do we need to go out and buy a plan B? It's, I think we've got so much to do this summer that if, we, if plan B striker is on the list, it's probably quite far down, is what I would say to that. We've got to sort plan A first. <laughs> Very true. We've read, yeah, plan A before plan B, for sure. I'll also, I'll also just say, if, if, if the trend is anything similar than what we've done historically, then getting an aging Chelsea player is exactly what we do. So we might <laughs> actually get Drew back if, 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 yeah. if history 35, tells us anything. I think, now, yeah. 35, oh, Chelsea yeah. player. He's definitely someone for Arsenal, apparently. Oh, it's uh, a, a one-on-one great goal. Obviously, if you if you guys in the chat don't know where me and Ben both work, we've got a video coming out very soon with Fernando Llorente, which is quite ironic now I think about it. So that's going to be fun to get out. He named as many Spanish players I think as he can uh, on a list. So make sure you check that out. Um, now this this is going to be a challenge, guys. From Balaji, he says rapid fire. So I'm going to request no more than one word answers. No clarification. No context. No explanation. We're going to go around the group, and you've got to think. I'm, I'm trying to talk you through this so you've got more time to look at the options, but I'm going to go around. I'll try and make it fair and mix up the order, and we'll go in reverse and stuff. So starting with John, going clockwise. Player of the season? Saka. Ola? Saka. Ben? Saka. I'm, I'm very close to saying Pepe here very very close i think he's up there pepe i want to go pepe i've already broken my rule <laughs> ben <laughs> uh flop of the season william yeah this is gonna be yeah. easy Hola. Uh, william. <laughs> john i'm gonna go with a different one just be, just for the sake of it ceballos oh that's a good shout uh yeah william for me yeah. uh john most improved player of the season most improved player of the Pepe. Hola. Um, come back to me. Okay, Ben. Can I say Willock? <laughs> That's a good answer. It's <laughs> a very good answer. But no, you can't. So pick an Arsenal player. Pepe, Pepe I am going to go for Emil Smith Rowe. Um, Hola. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say EFR. So, yeah, I'll go with that one. It's my friend. There you go. Um, John, uh, best young gun of the season. Which is ironically, ESR. it could be ESR. Uh, Ola? I already said Saka. Yeah, so he's you did. Yeah, ESR yeah. yeah. again. Ben? Yeah, Smith Rowe. Yeah, same for me as well. And moment of the season. This is a good one. I always like this. You can have more than one word for this. <laughs> it might struggle otherwise. But John, go on. You can't say one word. It's a challenge. 
moment of the season. Mm. Uh, I think oh, I the one. the Cronky Out protest, the first one. Oh, that's a good thought, one. Yeah. That's a very good one. Hola. Um, when Ateta pushed Pate back onto the pitch while he was playing Spurs, as son <laughs> I forgot about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a positive moment of the season, but it is like, a moment. the moment. I was losing my head. I was, I was all over the place, mate. So, yeah. Fair enough, man. Uh, ben. Uh, I think, for me, it's probably Danny Ceballos against Benfica. When I'd, I'd spent, I, I tweeted after about 25 minutes saying that it was actually getting to the point where I might consider paying 20 million for him. And he followed up with that awful challenge <laughs> on the edge of the box and the, the short back header to Leno. And it just yeah. made me think if, if, if that sums up my Arsenal fan career, that, that, that is that moment. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm really, can we, I'm can cold, we do a cold, can we do a special mention for Spurs sacking their manager before winning a trophy and then losing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. Oh, this is how we're getting through it, guys. We finished eighth. This is what we're focused on. Well, I've got, yeah, a couple. I mean, Richarlison scoring through Leno against Everton at home. Because, I mean, people talk about moments in the season having to be positive. I don't think it is because the season that we've had has really been that much. And the other one I had was David Luiz getting sent off against Wolves. I think that was, for me, such a turning point for the second half of the season. Easily one of the most ridiculous things you've ever seen. I understand the rules behind it. Like the fact that they have to send him off because he's the last man. But I'm sorry, the contact is just not enough. Like it's just not enough to send William Jose. He doesn't clip it, and then the memes that have fallen from that, of course, as well. The tackles that have come out is has been yeah, it's special, very special. Uh, I am going to scroll down a bit more because I always find that we we linger on questions a bit, and then new questions that come in we we end up missing. So if my computer wants to speed up a little bit, that'd be great. Um, came and go. Go on. <laughs> Someone's just put in your chat Pepe headbutt and Jack are strangling. And honestly, I'd forgotten that they were this season. That's how long yeah. it's been. I thought they were last season. strangling Alioski against Leeds and Jack are strangling. I want to say West. Was it Westwood? Or Brady against Burnley? One of the two. I mean, they're... <laughs> all the Burnley players look very similar. <laughs> so I can't remember who it was. They're all like, oh, they're all tough guys. <laughs> that's, that's Burnley. If you if you wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley, you've made the Burnley squad. That's that's effectively what it is. Uh, Cameron Guna says, uh, the like button is located below the video. Smash it. Thank you ever so much, Cameron Guna, for the uh, donation, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, there's a lot of moments coming in the chat. I'm sure you're having a lot of fun reading through what people are saying. Uh, we're going to go through one more round of question, guys, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, Neil De Souza says, Tom, do you think, and this is going to you, John, even though it says Tom, uh, do you think Arteta has learned the hard way by trusting in the wrong players like Willian, Bellerin, and Xhaka? Tough on so, Xhaka there, you know? <laughs> so you, I, I think putting Xhaka in there is, misses the mark. Uh, Did you see that he is in the CIES statistical team of the season? Did you see I that? Saw that? I saw that. and I was it, very excited until I saw that Raheem Sterling was also in it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I can't. I don't know how you can look at how Xhaka played this season and then at, in the same token say, how can the manager trust a player like that? Um, so I'm going to put that one. I'm going to put I'm going to put that one. I'm going to put that one aside because even though the season's been, I think, by all accounts, a flop. I think Xhaka was one of the better players this season, if if arguably the best player. I and 
yeah, you could flame me in the chat all you want. I don't care. It's the it's. I mean, I think it's hard to argue that he wasn't. Um, and William and William was a weird one. Now that's different. So <laughs> because because there was a time where it William William was coming William was coming on to do absolutely nothing for significant portions of the game, while players like Pepe were getting sidelined and they were actually coming on and and performing. And every day, every weekend and week out, Arteta was still picking William. It was very bizarre. Yeah. Um, so has he learned the hard way? I feel like he stopped picking William uh, for the most part. So perhaps, yes. Um, Bellerin, I mean, who goes there? Maybe Chambers plays right back or, mm-hmm. you know. So, I, you know, I think if we sign it, players that that have more quality in the summer and we still see William playing or Bellerin playing, then maybe, yeah, he has not learned the hard way. But uh, I, I hope that he has. And once again, I am extricating that Jaka comment from that question because I don't think it applies. I, I don't think it does. I think he's been top five players for me this season uh, in that bracket. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm hoping I'll have a really good European Championship. So either one of two things happen. Either if he is going to go, his price jumps up or he stays and, and continues that form. Uh, Ola, P. Trim says, uh, do you think uh, promoting Arteta from coach to manager had a positive, negative or any significant impact on his performance this season? Um, I'd... I don't think it. I don't think it does. I don't think it does because he's still he's still got um, coaching staff around him. He's still got helping hands. People like Edu doing their job. The coaching team doing their the physio. So he's still he's still very much, um, you know, maybe it's, it's just a title change in my opinion. Now, does that mean? It, 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 I love when all the questions I don't know whether 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 whether. Um, you know, affected him making decisions or not. I, I don't know. The one thing that I do want to at least see going forward, especially with, because with, uh, if he's going to stay, I, I want to see maybe one or two changes from him. And he's got to definitely give Pepe and, and Martinelli a lot more, a lot more chance uh, going into next season. Those two have to feature more. And if they do, he's definitely got more chances. You know, he's got a lot more chances of keeping his job. Because those two, you know, they always put it in. Especially Martinelli, I definitely want to see uh, more more from him. So hopefully we get to see that from 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 uh, Ateta. But I don't think the 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 title change uh, affected. I, I think it was indifferent to what to what he was doing. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Easy Isle Ed, uh, who got a shout out from Lee Judges earlier on in our video. By the way, if you have tuned in late. Do scroll back to the start of the video. I'm going to put a clip of all of the videos we did put out at the start on Twitter. Um, but yeah, if you want to check that out, please do. Um, but Ben Ed says, who would anyone have rather been playing ahead of Xhaka? He was good and had no reasonable options behind him. And I'll add on to that, just to, to add a little bit of spice to the question. A lot of people are calling for him to be upgraded upon in the summer. I, I, for me, whilst I would take an upgrade on anyone, I think it's silly to not take an upgrade on anyone, but do you not think it's going to cost a hell of a lot of money to find someone better than him in, in the squad? I, I think it's difficult to put money on what Jacker brings to this squad. I mean, it's a very poor squad. Let's not be around the bush. Um, mm. It deserves to finish mid-table, which is where it has finished. But if you go back and watch, um, I forget which one they did, but Arsenal put out the open mic video of Granit Xhaka. And it's not what he does on the ball as much as you know the way he commands the team and he's he is the leader on that pitch. We, Abba, Abba Bank and where the 
captain's armband all he likes, but Tierney and Jack are the ones that actually have any authority on that pitch. And it's a case of if you bring someone in, you've got to bring someone in who's going to sort of replicate that authority because a lot of these players don't have that sort of self-driven authority by the looks of it. A lot of them need to be directed. We see that from Arteta on the touchline. We see that from Xhaka in midfield. We see that from Tierney at left back. And we've seen it from Erdegaard in attacking midfield. So if you're going to take Xhaka out, you've got to find that sort of leadership from somewhere else. And I don't think there's certainly not any more in our squad. You know, you, you take him out, you're looking at Ceballos or Elneny. And with respect to Elneny and, you know, whatever with Ceballos. But Elneny is sort of, he's a, he's a good player when you're not going to have a lot of the ball. But when you have a lot of the ball, you need someone who's going to do more with it. And to his credit, he's he's improved in that regard this season, I think. Mm. But Granit Xhaka is still far superior in that role. And I think it will cost a lot of money to upgrade on him. Yeah, I think it's going to cost a lot of money, whoever comes in. People want to see a player who I think with more mobility is is the key kind of attribute. Um, I think people want to see different to Granite Jacker, and they feel that his turning circle of a, a London bus is is no longer feasible uh, for the club. So there you go. Yonit Mack, as always, coming in with the uh, the Granite Jacker stuff. Replacing Jacker is a risk I wanted to take, which is fair enough. Um, and certainly maybe a position that alongside Partey. I just want to see someone that really unlocks Partey, to be honest. That's what I... I really want to see. Anyway, that does bring us to today's close of the show. Thank you ever so much for tuning in throughout the entire season. This was our last podcast of the season. We will be back and doing podcasts throughout the summer, but of the actual playing season of 2021, um, this has been it. A massive thank you to my guest, John. Always a pleasure. I hope this has been the therapy that you desperately needed. It, it uh, was. It was. Yeah, and you were telling me earlier, so apparently I was I was on the your first the, the first schooner talk yeah so i tried to clip it but i couldn't it wouldn't work uh i was trying to get a good clip of it basically we all the, all the old shows are basically privatized for there's a lot of reasons why um mm. but a lot of the old shows are privatized but um yeah uh you were on the first show that i hosted craig was still host at this point but i started the tgt extra on the mm -hmm. channel and i was interviewing people from different uh, parts of the world, and you were the first person I interviewed on it six years wow. ago, five six that's, years ago. Yeah, that's crazy. Think about the, look at look where we are now. Look at look, in a minute. Look at where we are now. <laughs> if you asked us back then, we probably had hope in our eyes, and we we thought yeah. you know we we're gonna do so. We were still in Europe every season, and the champion was counted down the minutes to the end of that interview. Like well, I'm never gonna speak to this guy ever again. <laughs> look at where he is five years later. <laughs> Uh, but hey, look, it's it's been it's been a good six years. So uh, you know, maybe not on the pitch necessarily, but it's mm. always good to come and unwind. So it, as far as therapy sessions go, it doesn't get much better. So thanks for having me on again. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Ola, always a pleasure. I, I feel like we it's been sparse how much you've been on this season. We'll have to remedy that for next campaign. But I know you're a yeah. busy man. So uh, and you've been doing <laughs> some really good work, I must say, throughout the pandemic. I'm well aware of what's been going on behind the scenes. So everyone will appreciate thank the much, hard work there as well. Thank, thank you very much, though. Yeah, man, thank you very much. Though. No, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Black Scorpion Free, uh, also on Instagram. Come on there. You want to engage in some um, MMA talk, football talk, I'm always av available to talk to, you know. I have to ask, have you got an effect on your camera or is it just struggling to focus on you? Because it just keeps on going, zooming in, zooming out. It's crazy. I, I, I don't know what's going on because I'm watching I'm watching it on my other screen here. 
and he's been oh. doing the same mad thing there. He just goes in and goes out. Yeah. Strange. Uh, yeah. You can find John, by the way, on Twitter at the three o at the three o five at three o five cast. I've been saying it enough times. The amount of years I've been on with him at three o five cast. You can find him. And Ben, what a fantastic debut from yourself, mate. No pressure at all. Took it in your stride, and I appreciate you coming on, mate. That pleasure's all mine. Thank you, and I hope to be on again soon. Yes, Always. definitely. So, tell people where they can find you on the socials. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ben Browning three and on Instagram at uh, Ben Browning five. Nothing like Black Scorpion three, sadly, but that, that's the handles. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it four? three and five? Was one and two taken on Twitter, and then one, two, and three and four were taken on Instagram? Is that? How it I works? honestly don't know. I did think about sort of putting them together and making it just Ben Browning five on both, but then I realised that everybody that has me as Ben Browning three and like links my socials to that, I'd have to yeah. inform them, and that sounded like a lot of effort. <laughs> fair enough fair enough mate um and yeah you can find ben over there you can find all the guys there you can find us on twitter at the good talk tv i'm going to clip together all of the the contributions from the start of the start, uh, start of the show together into one video and i'm going to put that on twitter so you'll be able to see that in one running clip uh, as well without me talking halfway through it as well so you just see them all the individual videos of all the shout outs to our fantastic tgt ambassadors and thank you as well not only to them but our expert members our plus members and our tgt members as well you've supported the channel so dedicatedly throughout if that's a word i think it is <laughs> throughout the whole of the six years and how long we've been running them too we'll be back tomorrow morning even though the season's over 8 a.m transfer shows continue every single day so we'll see you then it's been a pleasure to speak to you guys as always and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.